Welcome to Cannon Fodder. Today is uh, Tuesday, the 8th of November, Election Day across these United States of America. I'm Mike Arace, joined by uh, Brian Hedger and, and Bailey Johnson to parse everything Blue Jackets. There's a great team that we have covering the Jackets. Please go to Dispatch.com and check out all their stories. Hedge, is there any fresh Bemstrom news in there today? There is going to be in the uh, print edition and online, actually. I did a, a little notebook basically talking about you know, Benstrom is a, an interesting character because, you know, most young players, the defensive side is the biggest issue, and that's what key, and it was for him when he first came over here in 2019, but he's since cleaned up the defensive side, thanks to one John Tortorella insisting on it, and so he's cleaned up that side, but his high-end offensive ability that has come out at every single other stop he's had other than the NHL has yet to emerge on a consistent basis here in Columbus. And so that's what the, the main note is about. I also had something in there about uh, the Jackets now having, uh, obviously they, they've restored their goaltending depth now that uh, Jonas Corpusalo is back in net and healthy. They got uh, Merzlikens, Corpusalo, and they're obviously very high on Daniel Tarasov. So that gives them some organizational goaltending depth that a lot of teams around the NHL uh, probably, they're quite frankly, they're, they're probably a little jealous of, even though those guys have all struggled I think you can put a lot of their struggles this year on the defense, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And then the last note I have was just about kind of how uh, and, and Bailey covered this game on, on Saturday remotely for us. But that Corrali got injured uh, in like the first period. I believe it was like an el- inadvertent elbow to the face. Yes. It was inadvertent. I can confirm that it was inadvertent. He came back for the second period and then did not return for the third. So All right, Let me just jump in here yeah. and say, Hedge, that was a yes or no question, and, and we're now burying the lead. The lead being that the Blue Jackets are coming off a, not a good trip to Finland here, here, one that they had looked forward to. Two games against uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions. The Jackets and Tempere, that's pretty close. We can say Tampere here in, in the United States, I guess, but they lost. What did they lose by? Hedge, they were outscored uh, 11 to 4 in Finland in two games, and uh, they're out, uh, their losing streak is stretched to five games, uh, outscored 28 to 8 in those five games. They're uh, 3 and 9. It's one of the three worst 12 game starts in their history. They're last in the Metro, last in the conference, and last in the league. Um, they've also allowed more goals 55 in 12 games, 4.6 per than, than any other team in the league. They finally scored a power play goal in Finland. Uh, which took them from zero to six point one percent, which is last in the league. Um, Brian, there's a, there's a lot. There has to be a lot of concerns here because this team is now getting. Even though we saw some effort in Finland, which which uh, Bailey didn't see in in, uh, in New Jersey, this team is getting drummed on a fairly regular basis. And uh, you know, I talked to Yarmo for a little bit yesterday, um, uh, mostly just chatting, um, and uh, you know. In his words, I, I've had better days. So um, a lot of concern for management. And I think everyone's wondering, in, in a column I, I, I rub my chin about this very subject, I, I, everyone's wondering whether there's some kind of shakeup due, Brian. Um, give, give us your your uh, perception of the, of the lay of this land. Well, it sounds like, at least for the time being, they are uh, content to try and let, you know, Brad Larson, the head coach, and the rest of his coaching staff try and figure this out with the team that they have uh, that's available. Um, they did call up Bemstrom, obviously, as part of an in- injury-type situation. Borchek is going to be out 
Um, day to day, it looks like, you know, uh, Corrali, they sent back, sent back Tarasov and, uh, well, Bay Ruther was assigned in, in as well as David Yurchek. So they only have six defensemen right now. Uh, I'm sure one will be called up for a seventh at some point here this week. But by and large, uh, they haven't made any trades. Uh, I don't see their name out there. I'm not hearing them in, in big trade rumors at the, at the time being. Tough time uh, of year. So Tough far. time of year to make a trade, Brian. It, it is, but it's not impossible. Um, I was there. I mean, I, 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 when I was just covering the Blackhawks, uh, at least the, one of those years was a Christopher Stieg trade when Christopher Stieg was actually in the prime of his career, and he was with the Florida Panthers and got traded back to the Blackhawks, it was real early in the season, and basically Bowman said it was like kind of his trade line deadline deal however many months ahead of time. It's not impossible. You're right. It is a tough time to make them, but, um, you know, uh, there's teams looking for goaltenders. They now have goaltending depth, all that kind of stuff. But they're like short of something like that, um, a shakeup move, you know, something like that. They're guys, I think they're content to just let this team try and wiggle out of this thing. But the question then becomes, and just as you pointed out in your column, Mike, um, the question becomes, how long do we do, do you wait on this? I mean, if it gets to three and ten, three and eleven, what if? I mean, the next team in is John Tortorella and the Philadelphia Flyers <coughs> and uh, Brad Shaw, former assistant under Tortorella here. Uh, you know, with, you know, former assistant with Brad Larson as well on that staff. Uh, if they come in and they somehow they house the, the Blue Jackets. They route the Blue Jackets somehow. I mean, you got to make a move at some point. you got to do something, right? Well, route for the Flyers would be 3-1. to one and, and, Bailey, that's not what, what, what we've been you – know, that, that is Philly. Everyone knows Torts. I think heading into today, I think they play tonight, but I think they've scored 28, which isn't as much as many as the Blue Jackets, and they've given up 28, which is one of the better numbers in the league in terms of goals against. They have six wins. They're kind of performing above their heads. But what we've been seeing from the Blue Jackets, especially – now, they've had a tough schedule. We can talk about that a little bit too, but – but Bailey, the, you know, six to three and five to one in in Finland against Colorado is kind of indicative. Good teams uh, at times have let them hang around and then just slapped them down. Um, bad teams have just slapped them down. The Arizona being the case, and New Jersey, which is a very good team right now. I mean, just put fifty three shots and, and seven seven goals on them, and it could have been twelve. Absolutely, it's what's wrong. I guess I don't think anybody knows <laughs> is the problem. They. You know, kind of, we talked last week, maybe Finland is a chance for them to reset. They've got some time to get some more practice time. They're only playing two games. They can bond as a team. And I do think we saw that. Obviously, they still lost the first game, and 6-3 to three looks like a bad score. But there was a moment in there where they came back with a very good second period to tie the game, and it seemed like, okay, maybe they're going to put things together. And then, as has been the theme all season, they fell apart in the third period, and then the same thing happened the next night where they gave up a very, very early quick goal, kind of wiped the slate clean of that, played a pretty good first period after that, and then fell apart in the first five minutes of the second period, and that was that after that. So they have these stretches, very short, infrequent stretches, but there are moments where they put things together and they look okay, but they can't sustain it even really for a full period, let alone several. Yeah, the first game was a, was a tough one for them. Uh, you know, they just got worn down in the second game as it went along by, by a pretty awesome team that... They, they couldn't match up with anymore. But in that first game, jo- Johnny Gaudreau could have had 
five or six goals. Yeah, and Patrick Line could have had three. I mean, yeah. they were they looked good. And then by the end of the second game, that line wasn't producing offensively and had given up enough defensively that they got separated because it was just not something that they were going to continue to trot out there and let the Avalanche continue to run roughshod. Yeah, Hedge, it's, it's kind of sad. Like when you think of like Line A going over there or even Eunice, um, you know, Line A was pretty candid when he was asked about how was your trip to Finland? That was, he said, yeah. uh, wish we hadn't gone, basically, which was in classic Patrick Line A fashion, right. very honest, but really sums up where they're at right now. I think he called it a waste of time. He did. He said, I kind of like, it sucks. Kind of wish we hadn't come. Waste, waste of time for us. Well, I mean, you mentioned the possible trade. I think they're, I, I, from, from what I gathered in my, my quick chat with Yarmo yesterday was, was that, yes. Uh, I, and it's as he explained to the fans, I'm told, uh, who, who went to Finland, um, there was a thing with the coach and the GM for the, for the fans that were over there. And, uh, you know, he said, this is a time to ride things out. Uh, everyone has a, a, some responsibility with all of this. And, uh, 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 and this is, this is to be used as a learning experience. Um, you know, they have to play their way out of it. It's, it's, it's part of the process. That said, they returned and, uh, um, you know, there was a lot of, I don't want to say meetings. Uh, uh, there were meetings, but there was a lot of a uh, lot of reflection um, Monday and, and into today. And they're thinking about what buttons they can push. You, you mentioned the trade. What can they do that way? And and uh, also, there's some some personnel movement going on between the uh, with the shuttle the shuttle to Cleveland. Um, get us up to date on on that hedge and 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 and. and speculate, if you will, um, about uh, what moves they might want to make, if even if they could, whether they can or not, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, oh, what, 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 what buttons are left, I guess, is what is, you, you kind of laid it out there. What buttons are left to push other than, like, you know, just maybe completely juggling all the lines and just putting guys where you would never expect to see them just to see if something catches fire and uh, clicks for them. I guess there's that. Um, you know, when I, when I mentioned a trade, I mean, I, I, kinda, I guess I guess I look at their roster and I see that they do have, organizationally, they have three goaltenders with NHL experience. I know Tarasov doesn't have a lot, but they like him a lot. And he's huge. Um, you know, I think any of these goaltenders – uh, would be a lot better if they could just figure out their defensive woes, and they have not been able to do that since last year. In fact, it's gotten worse. So, you know, we've talked on this uh, in our podcast here. I've written it before that, you know, I don't know. I, I wasn't with them in Finland, so I don't know what kind of, whether there was a come-to-Jesus type of moment between Elvis and the team. I don't know if there's an issue there. Uh, you know, but there was there was clearly some kind of issue there uh, between that Bruins game and the Devils game that we mentioned before about you know how there were people that said so they heard they they could hear Elvis lighting into the team in the second intermission against the Bruins uh, did the same thing after the game um, so is there friction there and I guess when I looked at the three goaltenders I thought well I mean. Do they really shake things up and entertain offers for Elvis Merzlikens and see if they can move him to a team that needs a goaltender? Um, but the team that needs a goaltender right now is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And yeah, 
short of them sending back a player who makes roughly the same amount of money um, or a little bit more, that's going to be a hard deal to uh, figure out from a salary cap perspective. But it would shake up the team uh, for sure. But again, uh, I, I get the feeling from watching this team after uh, after their uh, 12 games now, I guess, um, that their defensive woes are just so bad right now that it doesn't matter who you would put in goal. It doesn't matter if it's Elvis or Corpus. They had a chance. They, you know, this team has said for the last five years they love Jonas Corpusalo, they play they want to play hard for Jonas, all that kind of stuff. Well guess what? He got in there and he faced a ton of shots and a ton of scoring chances again. They hung him out to dry just like they did with Elvis Merzlikens, just like they did with Daniel Tarasov at times. I mean this team has to figure out its defensive woes or nothing is going to improve. Yeah, speaking of the defensive woes, I want to throw in um, that Aaron Fortzline tweeted earlier. Someone asked him about what the problem is with the team's defense, and he said that he reached out to a former um, NHL defenseman to ask him to describe how the Blue Jackets are defending, and the response was infrequent. So, Yeah, I, I, uh, I, was, I, I talked to a, a coach out there uh, somewhere in America yesterday, uh, and uh, the, the response there was, the good teams especially can't wait to play the Blue Jackets. Uh, the the cookie monsters are ready to load up uh, and pad their stats. It's a, it's a sad thing. Yarmo's, uh, the way he frames it is uh, defense is a five-man operation, and, and uh, uh, it's not just his, his back end uh, that, that uh, everyone has skin in this game, as, as Torch used to say, and um, they all have to uh, look in the mirror. Uh, I'm, in terms of Brad Larson, you know, Yarmo's not one to issue votes of confidence publicly, um, and he, he's not doing that now. Um, he, he's a loyal guy. Um, you know, I'm sure he's wondering, Yarmo is, uh, you know, where the coach from last year is now. I think, uh, you know, that all of a sudden he's not He's not a different coach than he was last year when this team overachieved, given what they had on their roster. For sure, they were in the playoff hunt for a long time before they faded. Um, he hasn't turned into an ineffectual coach overnight. Um, at the same time, Brian, um, he hasn't addressed this egregious problem either. And the, I, I guess my question to you is, can, can he? Well, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, he hasn't changed as a coach from last year. And... I mean, that was their biggest issue last year, wasn't it? They gave up 300 goals last year, franchise record. Their defense was a mess last year as well. And in, instead of improving it, like, I mean, that's what the stated goal of or the whole, the main objective coming into this training camp, stated by Brad Larson right from day one, was to, you know, fix their goal differential issue, uh, which was a minus 38 last year, by giving up fewer goals. And here they are. Uh, they've given up the most goals, I believe. Uh, they're, if they're not, they're right down there with the Anaheim Ducks. It's the two of them going back and forth for giving up the most goals. Um, and so, like, the, the issue has gotten worse. So if he's any kind of a different coach, it's just that they, whatever changes they've made to the defensive, you know, systems, or I, I don't know what it is. I'm not on the coaching staff. But, you know, I do know that they, you know, that, that all throughout training camp in the preseason, um, defensemen in particular were citing, you know, changes to the you know, defensive yeah. structure and system. 
Yeah, well, and they, and here's how it was, it was described by, you know, multiple defensemen. They're small changes, but they're also big changes. Well, what does that mean? You know, like, so the small changes part would lead you to believe, well, it shouldn't be that hard to pick it up. But then the big changes part makes you think, okay, are these guys confused? Like, and it's not, you're right, it's not just the defensemen. I mean, Yarmo's right, it's, not, it's all five of them. But whatever it is, just look at the numbers. Look at the number of scoring chances that they're getting outchanced by on a nightly basis. Look at the shots. You know, you're giving up 50 shots. You're giving up 45 shots. This is the last, in this losing streak, it, it kind of feels like, look at it, but it feels like they're giving up 40-plus shots a game. That's well, way, here's way some, too much. Here's some perspective, Brian. I mean, last year they gave up 300 goals, which is the worst mark in team history in that category. Um, this year, at 4.6 a game, they're on pace to give up 382. And in their, inaugural, in their inaugural season, now this is a cobbled together team coming off an expansion draft at a time when the expansion rules didn't allow you to build a good team. You were just a you were just cannon fodder for, for the rest of the league, if you will. Um, uh, and granted, too, the game was different then. So uh, 300 last year on pace for 382 this year. The inaugural season, they, they allowed 233 goals and they actually had a 15.9 percent power play rate. So. This is historically awful what we're seeing right now. Bailey, I don't know what you can add to any yeah, of that. Yeah, it is historically awful. I will say that, like, because it's so historically awful, the math would tell you that it's not going to be this awful forever. But there's not really a lot of reasons to actually believe that when you watch this team play. Like, the theory behind the law of averages and eventually regressing to the mean all tell you that even if things stay about the same as far as how they're playing, the bounces will eventually shift a little bit and they'll, you know, maybe every other two-on-one doesn't go in. Um, but when you watch them play, you don't see a lot of reasons to believe in them. Like, we were talking about the Flyers earlier and how they're playing above their heads right now, and they're getting phenomenal goaltending from Carter Hart. Oh, and yeah. they know it's not sustainable, but they look like a team that's playing with effort and playing hard and is a team that might be a team that can kind of sustain at least temporarily that sort of getting better results than they should be. The blue jackets are the opposite. Yes. The math says they should yeah, be getting better results, but they don't actually look like they should be. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, uh, one thing that I found very interesting in Brad Larson's comments following uh, Saturday's game is that it sounds like, and if this is true, where he's saying they're cheating, the chase offense, now you got a whole separate issue. Now you got guys out there thinking, well, we just have to outscore our problems. And if they are cheating, uh, you know, trying for offense and they're leaving their goalies, you know, hung out to dry on all these, you know, two on ones, three on twos while doing it, um, that's a problem. And that's another problem. And I don't know if that's been going on all season. I don't think it's necessarily been the case all season. No, but, I don't think it's it another. It, yeah, well, I mean, but it's another indication of a team that is just, I mean, that these guys are scrambling for any answer they can find. And instead of kind of, uh, you know, trusting themselves, their system, all that kind of stuff, all the cliches you hear, um, if guys are going to start individually doing that, they're in real trouble. Yeah, I've always said, and, and Bailey's had my back on this, that, uh, you know, from the start of the season, that, uh, you know, their their defensive core is in the pipeline, you know, um, if you go back to 2021 when they missed the playoffs for the first time since 16, um, you know, they finished last in the pandemic central. And then, you know, there was a lot of excitement. There was the Seth Jones trade um, and the, they drafted Kent Johnson, Cole Sollinger, of course, and Coolman's. And subsequently they took 
in, in, in this year's draft, they took, they took two defensemen with, with first round picks and, and uh, you know, so, so Kuhlman's, uh, uh, Jirasek and uh, Matejchuk and and uh, uh, you know there's there's a core of guys that won't be ready for a couple of years and like but I thought this team would be fun and where it is now and granted it's it's November eighth uh, but where it is now is like the the hardcore fans that I know are like the, when the Jackets lose they're like good next year's draft is awesome they're not going to make the playoffs anyway. Um, Losing is not necessarily a bad thing, but they can't watch the games. They want to stick butter knives in their eye sockets. You know what I mean? It's just like it's this weird dichotomy of, of uh, OK, the tanking isn't even going well. You know, it's just like they, they, they right. want to root for their team. They want to see progress with like Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger. Um, they want to see a team that's that's trying hard. Um, which is, you know, uh, a Columbus staple with with their hockey team. Um, they don't mind the losses. They're looking forward to getting in the lottery. It's stacked with forward talent, especially at the center position. Uh, a top five or six pick could get you a number one center uh, for ten years, and 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 so there, all of that is almost mitigated completely by by the fact that the team is just painful to watch if you're a fan. It is totally painful to watch. It's pain. I mean, from our perspective, it's kind of painful to watch for us. Like, it's just not interesting. There's nothing where you're happening. You're like, wow, I'm excited to write that story because it's all the same well, every single game. They're and easy to write. They're easy to write because yeah. the same thing happens every game. Yeah. But it's like, okay, they're going to maybe score a goal and then they're going to give up four and that'll be it. Like, we can write the same story for every single game because it's all the same and they don't, nothing's changing. It almost is starting to feel a little bit, I think I tweeted this after Saturday's game, but it's starting to feel like Groundhog Day. Hedge, you mentioned Philly. Yeah. You mentioned Philly, Brian, and uh, uh, you know I think after five losses and six out of seven, um, you're back at home now with Torts in the building, and then of course uh, Bradshaw as well, who, uh, who who didn't get an interview um, when when Larson was hired, the other assistant. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure the Flyers are going to be ready to go. Does this does this enter? I know it's just one game, but it feels to me optically everything looks bad right now. Does it look that much worse if there's a poor performance on Thursday night in Nationwide Arena? Yeah, yeah, it looks <laughs> way worse. You know, like uh, it's funny how how if you just let things kind of play out on their own, the storylines just kind of develop themselves, don't they? I mean, like of course. Of course, for, for Torch's return, first return, and Bradshaw's first return, of course the Blue Jackets are, like, not only struggling, but they're, like, they're getting dusted, like, in every single game. You've got fans on, on social media calling for Brad Larson's head pretty much every five minutes. Um, you know, uh, the whole mantra of they picked the wrong Brad uh, is out there. I mean, all that stuff is, like, now out there, and now Torch is going to come back in here. And when they put them on the, the video board, the whole crowd's going to go nuts, and there's going to be signs that are like, come back, Torrance, we love you! <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff is going to be out there. I mean, of course all that stuff works out exactly yeah. the way it is right now. It's just so crazy. So, yeah, they cannot go into this game and get dusted by the Flyers because it's just going to be it's gonna be just really ugly. It'll be a statement one way or another, I think, Billy. It's, it'll be a statement on the coach by the players. Definitely. I think, you know, like we said before, Finland, they have a chance to, after some days off and some practice time, to 
get things together and make a statement. So we'll see if they're actually able to do that. They are back on the ice today for the first time since that loss Saturday night in Finland. So we'll see how things go in these next couple of days because it could be ugly one way or the other. Brian, would you just before we leave, would you cover their injury situation? Because Yarmo mentioned something about he had to make decisions uh, on a couple players because uh, if they IR guys today, they're, they're not only unavailable for uh, Thursday, but also for Saturday's game at, at the Islanders. Um, uh, so what, what, what's going on there? Do we know much now or, or do you have to wait till practice at 11? I mean, to, to get any kind of update, I think we're going to have to wait till practice is over. But, um, you know, w- with the Corrales situation, it, that that would really be the more sticky kind of thing. Um, He's the center, yeah. I'm assuming that – well, yeah, exactly. I, I'm assuming Voracek uh, may be out. I mean, they, they say he's day-to-day, so who knows? He may be in, he may be out. But with them calling up Benstrom, I would think that he may be out at least one more game. Um, we'll see how that develops. But Corral is the interesting situation because he's their fourth-line center. And it wouldn't be as big of a deal to have him go down for any length of time if Danforth were still around. You know, Danforth was like the, you know, Larson calls him his uh, Swiss, Swiss Army knife, right, because he could play pretty much all three positions, any line, any whatever, and, and be fairly good at it. And so he would be the guy that would immediately be tapped uh, as a fourth-line center if Corrali went down. But he's gone for six months with a labrum tear. So uh, your centers at this point are uh, Boone Jenner on the top line. Uh, you got uh, Rosovic, the second, and, uh, and Cole Sillinger. And then if Corrali's down, then you got to find another center. And your options, your, base, your top options are probably, if they don't call somebody up, it's it's Kent Johnson, uh, who got a little bit of uh, center uh, experience in the preseason and also in Traverse City, and also Liam Foody. I, I think you have to throw him in there because he actually, they have kind of dabbled very, very small amount, but they have dabbled a little bit with him at center in Cleveland over the past couple of years. Um, so those are your options, other unless they call up like Brent, uh, Brendan Gaunt uh, from Cleveland. Uh, to be another kind of established uh, NHL experience center. Hey, Hedge, how did the Monsters look? You were up there. I was up there. Uh, the game that I saw them, they weren't great. Uh, they weren't bad, though. They actually outshot the uh, Chicago Wolves by a ton, but they got burned by, uh, you know, getting out, like just basically being a little too aggressive and leaving themselves open uh, for some for some uh, you know odd, odd man rush goals against the team that won the AHL's Calder Cup trophy last year. They, um, they have a power play up they, there, don't they? They lost that one. They won the next night. Yes, they do. And uh, it was <laughs> it was interesting in the uh, in the story. Well, Mark Letestu was coordinating it. Uh, former power play guy in the NHL uh, who actually spent some time playing with Connor McDavid um, and, and Leon Dreisaitl when they were younger uh, with Edmonton. Um, <clears throat> he was the one-timer uh, guy option, but or one of the one-timers. But he's coordinating it, and it's interesting. What, one thing that I did uh, note that is interesting, I talked to Latestu in the morning, and <clears throat> I asked him who his bumpers were, you know, for the one-three-one setup, and he said that it was uh, technically it was Carson Meyer on the top unit, and it was Tyler Angle, another name that you need to keep uh, out there because he is a center. Um, Tyler Angle on the second unit. And, but then he quickly said, he goes, if you watch us, though, tonight, he goes, you're going to see that we don't, 
use the 131 like exclusively. Like there's going to be a number of times when that bumper guy goes over to one of the posts and then the net front guy goes to the other post and then there's really technically no net front guy or bumper right down the middle and then they got the two wings and uh, the defenseman controlling things out top. And so he said that in the morning after the morning skate and I went back and watched the first game of the Blue Jackets in Finland and um, I started looking at their power play and they started doing something very similar to that, uh, putting Jake Voracek against uh, outside one post and uh, God, who was the other? Well, the bumper, it would have been uh, Rosalvik outside the other one. And Rosalvik almost scored their first power play goal by pushing the goalie over the goal line uh, from, from the crease uh, on their first one. And then they did score the second one. So I, it's interesting to see that, the you know, you go to Cleveland and it, it looks like, I mean, they're trying to do the same things in Cleveland that they're doing in Columbus, you know, back and forth. So that, so that guys aren't confused when they do get called up. And so it's just interesting to see kind of that uh, that coordination between the two. And then sure enough that, you know, uh, for the for the monsters in the game, they did the same thing. So it's like they're trying a little different twist uh, on power play, which we've all been saying, hey, if the 1-3-1's not working for you, try something else, you know. And so I think they are trying something else. And I, I think that there's a correlation with the, the power play. Bailey, you can maybe back me up on this. I think the power plays actually looked a lot better other than entries. Like once they get it into the zone, it's been looking better recently. Yeah, the power play has been looking better. And something that kind of popped into my mind while you were talking about that is I agree, like there's a degree to which they get a little stuck in their setup and things start to stagnate and they don't look as good. But I also think that flexibility with moving guys to the sides of the net or like in the preseason when Jake Voracek was going behind the net a lot from his net front role and kind of opening up that flexibility, a lot of that comes from confidence. And when their power play was so awful to start the season and still isn't very good, I think there's a degree to which they are trying so hard to get a goal. They're not necessarily like thinking of those interesting ways to tweak things. Because really more of that stuff comes in the moment on the ice. It's not like the coach is sending them out and saying, okay, on this power play, I want you guys standing here. So that's more of something they're deciding. Like last year, we saw a lot of their flexibility on the power play and a lot of interchanging, especially with the three guys, sort of the point and the two half walls. There was a lot of interchanging there. And that was when they were really confident and when they were working really well and had a really strong understanding of what they were doing and why it was working. So right now, while it's not really working, I think there's a less willingness to try stuff like that. All right. Either you, For sure. either you folks have anything to add before Patrick blows us out of here? I good, have nothing yeah. to add. Yeah, we. I think we've prattled enough at this point. Hedge, thanks for joining us in studio next time. Hey. All right, all right. I will do my best. He's getting, he's racking up the fines. For Brian Hedger and, and uh, Bailey Johnson, I'm Mike Ayres. Patrick Flaherty at the controls per usual. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. And Patrick, blow us out of here. 